Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter to all of you this Tuesday, May the 10th, as the light of Christ shines on us from, the, from 1 John chapter 3. Today we begin with a very important passage, probably one of my favorite passages that points us to identity. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's a very foundational verse. It's a good thing we have that verse when we go through the rest of our verses, which is verses 1 through 10, because it reminds us who we are. In case you're wondering, those last words, and so we are, show us that this grace comes from God, not from us. Our identity comes from Christ, not from our own works, and it comes on account of his cross and empty tomb. So today, with that foundation, open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, a blessed Easter, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yeah, yeah, good to be back. And, and, and you're right. Uh, I'm glad you emphasized the first verse, because without that, this text is, oh, man, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, well, it's a lot of law. It's a lot of law. In fact, I must admit, when I first read through it, I thought, Th thanks a lot, Brady. So essentially, John is saying, <laughs> you know, you better do good, otherwise you're going to be like the devil. But but you're right. No, that's not what he's saying at all. And it all revolves around that very first verse. You're absolutely right. I'm into that. And so, uh, so what's going on for you? You're, you're no longer in Florida? No, no, we've been we moving around. We had a nice visit with my uh, uh, father-in-law, who's going to be 96 on May 25th. So please remember Jerry in your prayers on that day. Uh, but now we're back home, and uh, we'll be here for a few more weeks. And then we're going to join you up there in the frozen north the end of May. <laughs> so, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it's not frozen anymore, but it's still not warm yeah that's right it isn't warm <laughs> uh, good times good times yeah. well pastor you know we're here this is gonna be good stuff today so we are um, as you said you know there's a lot of law there well you know what john maybe you need the law today yeah. so that's what god is calling us to do so can you begin our time in prayer Oh, Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you because, you know, our sinful minds, we right away, we run to the things that tell us to do this and do that. We, we, we want to revel in the law when really the law should make us conscious of our sins, and it does. So we thank you for this beautiful, beautiful gospel we begin with so that we can understand the law isn't about what we need to do. The law is what we will do because we are what we are. We are the children of the Heavenly Father. So grant us faith through these words. In Jesus' name we pray. And the fruit that flows from that faith. Uh, amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email. KFUO at KFUO.org. KFUO at KFUO.org. Pastor, I'll begin by reading our first 10 verses of 1 John chapter 3. And once again, as Pastor said, a good reminder for us is to allow the first verse to be the foundation of how we see the next. Because when we get to when we were in chapter 2, there was that reality of, I give you a new commandment, which is the same as the old, but it's almost like you're putting on those Christ goggles. And that's really what John does for us in that first verse. 
is we're able to overlook everything. Or one person said that Jesus literally lays over the rest of this text in order for us to understand it in the right context, which I really like that imagery of that, that Christ lays over <laughs> those words so that we are reminded of, of whose arms it is always in. So pastor, any thoughts on that? I thought that was a great no, analogy. That, that is a perfect analogy. And, and this text is a perfect illustration of that. If you take out the first verses, you have no idea what, what he's trying to address. But when you put the first verses, it, it gives you a total different view because otherwise without the first verses, we're going to hear this as, Oh, okay. Here's the things we need to do. Otherwise, we're going to belong to the devil. And, and no, that's not. No, the point is, is you don't belong to the devil. So, what does that mean now that you're a child of the heavenly Father? Uh, and, and it's and it's important too because the verses before 18 through 29 talks about the Antichrist. Oh, yeah. So we could easily just get caught up on who's the Antichrist. We had a great study on that um, with Pastor Kevin Yoakum from Florida, and it was great because it it, it always put it in context. And, and then the first verse in chapter 3, just like I said, Christ is laying over it to remind us of identity once again. So, I don't know, any thoughts on the Antichrist? Uh, you know, no, maybe I don't, you have no, a, I don't. Like, we, got, we got plenty of stuff to do with these verses. We'll leave the Antichrist. Well, he, you, you did. You dealt with him. We, we did talk yeah, about yeah. it. It was, it was a real blessing. So let's begin. Or read verses 1 through 10. We hear, from, we hear the word of God from the English Standard Version. Verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness, he is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the word of our Lord today. Pastor, how do you want to start us off? All right. What I'd like to do, <laughs> and I know we've only got an hour, but I would like <laughs> to go word by word of the first verse, okay? okay. And then from right. then we can kind of talk about it in, in groups and sections. But but you, you, you hit it right at the beginning. The first verse is what's absolutely crucial. So I think it's worth going word by word if we could. Let's do it. See. All right. So so here's the thing. This isn't the imperative. This is John saying, hey, hey, pay attention. Uh, I really like the King James translation here because it has the old behold. All right. Because mm -hmm. that's the sense. I got something you got to see. You got that. You got to know this. Come here. Look at this. You won't. Yeah. So that's the emphasis there. John's going to tell you something that just, oh, it's just going to blow you away. You just you. I don't know if you, but you'll you'll believe it. You'll appreciate. But but it's, see, and and that's the next thing. What what's the next phrase there? Uh, the next word. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, what? See what? Uh, see what kind? What kind? Oh, for Pete's sake. You said word for uh, word. I know. Oh, all right. So I cheated. Confused. I cheated. Okay. See what kind? Well, okay, we well, got see it. what the see whole thing is. is in, the, in the Greek, it is just one word. There's not two okay, words. Fair it is just one word. But but again, it's this it's this word that is used when, when there's something that's just incredible. Something that just makes you go, wow. Uh, let, let me share with you some other verses where that word is used. Remember when 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 that Jesus calmed the storm? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and the text says in Matthew 8, and the men marveled, saying, What kind of man is this that even wow. wins and see obey him? See, that's the sense of the word there in the Greek. It's something I did you he, he calmed the storm? What kind? It's the word that's used by Mary uh, when, when the angels came to her, right? Uh, Luke 1, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, saying, what kind of greeting this is? That an angel comes to you and says, you, even though you're a virgin, are going to give birth? Wow! What, you know? Uh, And then the last one, of course, is when the disciples come out of the temple and they say, hey, Jesus, again, it's behold, behold, teacher, what kind of wonderful stones and what kind of wonderful buildings we have here? So you've got to understand from the very get-go, John is saying, I'm going to share something with you that, again, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of good English phrases. Blow you away. It's amazing. It's startling. It's marveling. Oh, man, in fact, it's almost too good to believe. Uh, uh, Yeah. In fact, this whole business, this word again, this what kind, uh, it originates in the Greek phrases, from what country is this? In other words, you see something, you say, well, this doesn't come from America. I've never seen anything like that in the United States. Only here, what what John's going to reveal to us is something you've never, ever seen anywhere else in the history of creation and the world. It's just something totally startling. And so what is this remarkable thing that you should behold, you should pay attention to? What What's the next, the next word there, Brady? Of love? Yeah, love. Uh, and the love of... Uh, now, now we could actually do a phrase. <laughs> the, the love the Father has given to us. Okay. And think about it, Brady. We, I, can you imagine the love that God has for I don't think we can. I think that's one of those things that, that we don't quite yet know the depth, the height, the breadth, the length, as Paul talks about it, of the love of God. We just... We grasp just a little bit of it, but you just can't begin to understand how great that love is. And and you emphasized this earlier, that the Father has given to us. Mm. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. Uh, in fact, it comes as a total surprise because we're just a bunch of sinners. That's what we are. Uh, we, we, we don't do what God tells us to do. We don't trust him the way we should trust him. And yet, yet that's what the Father has done. Uh, and of course, y- you know the word for love there. That's that's that whole agape word. Uh, mm-hmm. This word where you love, well, Jesus says that uh, no greater love does a man have than this. Then uh, he laid down his life for his friends. That's agape. And that's the love that we have from the Father. So I don't know. What, what do you, isn't that beautiful? That's, that's probably the most succinct, wonderful statement of the gospel that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. This is this marvelous, just blows you away kind of love. And it's ours. And it, it was a gift. Uh, he just, the Father mm-hmm. gave it to us. So what, thought, what yeah. thoughts did you have? Yeah. Yeah. L- listen up. I mean, this is, this is a, 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 very, a common theme for John, you know, for God so loved the yeah. world. Um, and this is love, not that we loved him, but he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We see it continuously throughout this time that he inserts it 
perfectly, even if you read the Gospel of John, that he inserts it perfectly throughout either the I am statements of saying who he is or the love statements like you're talking about in John 15 or here in the epistles where easily we can get caught up in the law and we need the law. We're not questioning no. that. We need to be you know, killed in our sins and to be resurrected in Christ. But he, he puts it perfectly in this law gospel dynamic that we always speak about as Lutherans and preach that, that it's, it's the love of God that leads all of this. This is the new command is because you're able to see Christ, um, then know what Christ has done for you. So yeah, you see it and it's been given to us. And that's an important reality too, because a lot of times we equate everything with I've earned this mm, as yeah. opposed to it's been given to me. And that and that's powerful language too. So I'm kind of reiterating what you're saying, but it really captures a lot of John. What do you call it? Jo, jo, John theme, Johannan? Johannian themes. themes. Yeah. Yeah. Johannian themes. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. Very good. Um, are we still going on a, we have another phrase to do yeah, here? Or what yeah. We well, because now, like you said, it, it's just all over the gospel, all over his epistles. But now he's going to give you a specific, again, behold this, behold this love, this kind of love that you've never seen. This is what God has done for us in love. And and yeah, you could just read the, the, the next phrase there, if you would. That we should be called children of God? Is that the yeah, phrase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this is just, oh man, the language here is so beautiful. Here's, here's the thing that I didn't realize until I started doing some study. Actually, to call God Father is not that big a deal. Uh, in fact, most pagan religions called God Father. Zeus, for example, was called Father. But you have to understand that when, when these pagan religions, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a generic term. Um, you know, like we talk about the brotherhood of men, Brady, right? The brother, mm -hmm. but you know, they're actually not my brother. You got brothers? You have a brother? I do not. Just me and my sister. Okay. That's it. Well, you have, you have family. You have a sibling anyway. <laughs> I don't have anybody, Brady. I was an only child. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah. yeah. Actually, okay. that's a good gig because you don't have to compete with anybody. It's all yours. <laughs> But see, you know, we say the brotherhood of man, eh, not really my brother. It's just a phrase, a generic word we use. Sure. So they would call it Godfather. But again, not like he was your creator, or he made you anything, or you have any personal relationship with him. I mean, Zeus is too busy dealing with bigger issues to really be concerned about you and me. But it was just kind of this, well, of course, he's father. But but when the Bible starts using father language, no, no, that's not at all. It's not a generic term. In fact, uh, I, is, is it in John the Gospel that we learn that he's the Abba? Does John use the word Abba? I, I, oh, for Pete's sake. I, you do that to me all the I, time. Well, I don't uh, know either. Yeah. I didn't look it up. But but we know we know the New Testament calls him the Abba, which is the equivalent right. of, of daddy. No, this isn't some generic father. No, this is your father, your daddy, in fact. In fact, the word Abba is so, so, oh, it, it's almost, oh, no, you can't call God Abba. <laughs> that's, that's demeaning. No, but that is, that's exactly the word, uh, daddy, daddy. And, and what's great here is the same thing with the word children. Uh, oh, mm -hmm. I love this word children because it's the word technon. Um, and, and there is a word for children that, again, is just kind of a generic word. 
um, a block from where I'm at right now, Brady, if I would get out of my house and walk down a block, we have the unit district, uh, New Athens 60 unit district. We refined uh, kindergartners, grade schoolers. Uh, it's a unit district. So there's junior high and there's high school. And it is filled with children. It is filled with children. But there's only two technons in that entire building. Okay. You know what I mean? There's only two technons no. because there's a Lauren and there's an Eric. And they are my grandchildren. Oh, okay. They are my children. You got children, don't you? Don't you have children? <laughs> I have four children. Okay, you don't have. You only got a sister. So, what are their names? What are their names? My my dot my my kids yeah. my own kids yeah okay it's it's Kaisa, Averill, Elias the only boy and Xavier. And and here's the other neat thing: we should be called. And again, that's a great word. Because that means to call someone by name. That's what the meaning of that Greek word is. And see, you've got four children. You gave them really odd names. I I don't mean to be critical, Brady, but honestly, what were you and your wife thinking of? (laughs) Well, you know, well, our parents were 70s children, so maybe that's what it was. Okay. You know, they were they were hippies, and then I was born in the 70s, so there it is. <laughs> so there's the confession. It's out now, the truth. Uh, but, but again, see, they're, they're your technons. There's something different about them than any other child. There's a lot of children, I'm sure. You're a pastor. You're surrounded by And you like the children. You care. But not the way, not those that you named. Not those you named. And see, again, see what kind of love the Father has. That we who are nothing but sinners, now all of a sudden we have a personal, a very, very personal, familial, uh, the closest relationship possible, uh, other than maybe a husband and a wife. Uh, And that's what God says. And don't you love that last phrase? And so... We are, okay? In case you forgot. It's just, In case you forgot. It's a fact. It's a fact. It is because that's what God said. That's what he called us. Uh, and we could do baptismal stuff here. Uh, we could certainly do word and sacrament stuff because that's where he said it. That's where he called it. And so that's what you, ever, from here on out, everything he's going to say, you have to understand he's addressing us as the one he has called, he has named personally, uh, John Lekumsky, John Paul Andrew Lekumsky, because there's also a John Robert Lekumsky and another John Andrew Lekumsky. Uh, and then there was a just a John Lekumsky that started the whole program, my dad, years ago. Uh, but that's us and God. He, he named us. We're his. We belong to him. Wow, that's unbelievable that God would love us that much. But it is. So we are. So we are. And this, this brings us back to language that he uses of how he died for the world. He's oh, a propitiation for yeah. the world. And, 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 and I, I use this line, uh, pastor Diedrich used this line too on uh, last Thursday was that, was that understanding of that, that, that he has died for the world propitiation has made satisfaction for sin for the world. And guess what? You're part of that world. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets even more personal. Like you're saying that, that you John Lakomsky, you know, you, Elias, Xavier, you know, Elias and uh, uh, Averill and Kaisa, you are a child of God. And oh, by the way, uh, Abba Father, that came from uh, Mark. Oh, it's Mark. 14. Okay. Thank you. So Thank I, you for checking that I, out. I, I didn't know either, so I just looked yeah. it up. But anyways, but it's you, a very personal, in case you're wondering, um, that it's not just a worldly thing, That and so we are. That means that you and we are all together in this as well. It's just this wonderful communal um, individual back and forth that gets very personal 
and connects us as other, with other people as well. So, so the whole thing about John 3.16, for God's love the world, uh, which again, behold, behold, God loves the world. Because if you read through John, the world is not a good place. <laughs> the world hates us. It hates Jesus. Uh, the world really is not. And yet God loves it. That, that's the remarkable thing about John 3.16. The very people that hate him and kill him, are, he still loves them. He cares about In fact, he, he would die for them, give them eternal life. But but the whole question of faith is, does he love me? See, it's one thing to say he loves the world. But but here's the beautiful thing John says. Behold, look at this. See this. Yeah, absolutely. He loves you, which, of course, is a really great thing, because a lot of times we, we wonder uh, because things don't go for us the way we would like them to go. And uh, uh, we have our problems and our struggles. Uh, but but again, no, that's the affirmation. Well, sometimes we don't feel like we deserve to be loved either because of the things we say and do and the thoughts we have. Uh, but no, it, it's a fact. So we are. This is, And it's a, it's a remarkable love. Wow. I just I haven't seen anything like that elsewhere. Don't know of anybody that loves me like that. I got people that love me, but but to love me like this, yeah. But But so we are. We are the children of God. Um, now, now we're free to go as, as ho however you want to. <laughs> but, so but, it, it, it does connect us to this next piece, like you just said. The reason why the world see that's that's yeah. what's great about. Oh, there the it is. There it is. Yeah, again, there's the world. That, that that's not a good thing. The world's not a good thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brady. Yeah, I mean, exactly what I was what I was saying is, you know, we might just think like, oh, the world is this kind of you know happy place. Well, the scriptures never speak that way. They never try to give you a. a what you call it a bill of goods just to say, oh, well, actually the world's not that bad. No, the world is not good. This is why Jesus died on the cross. And so why the world does not know us, meaning the Christians, right? The yeah. believers. Um, and, and part of it too, there's a, I can't remember who exactly said, but it's been a theme throughout that there's, there's a reality to this, that, that John is writing probably to a church where people were leaving whether it was hordes or small amounts, but they were they were going by the world's ideology that they'd rather have that than the church and Christ. And so he's writing to them to bring them back to the simplicity of everything. And here, like like it was with the Antichrist, he's warning them that the world is not, quote, with us. You know, they're not with us. Uh, and there's a reason why they don't know us. Um, and the reason is because they didn't know him. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is not something where we have to ask, ooh, did I have the right cookies on Sunday morning? <laughs> so it wasn't that very nice, you know, all those kind of things. I, you know, I didn't wear the right clothes or something like that. Is that there's a reality, and we see this in our own churches today, is that some some sometimes people just don't believe it. And and that's where we pray, we give the truth, but they just don't believe it. And that's that's where we grieve, but we grieve with hope because Christ has died for them. Yeah, and isn't that the remarkable thing then? So, all right, we, we know the world is not going to be accepting of us. They don't know us. It didn't know Jesus. And yet, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out into the world and tell them about how much I love them. <laughs> See, because our natural sinful reaction would be, well, good. We don't need to worry about the world then. <laughs> but, but no, no, Jesus. No, no. You, yeah, you're right. The world does not know me. Uh, but but that's precisely why I want you to go out into the world and, and let them know that I love them. I want them to be my children. That's not the problem. Uh, I, I, that's my desire. And again, not to be just some kind of generic father of the brotherhood of man, but but this this God that knows us by name, knows the number of hairs on our head. Man, he's just so, so concerned about us because we are. We are concerned about our children, aren't we? 
Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, there's a bunch of kids down at the school. There's only two kids I'm really, really concerned about, and that's Eric and that's Lauren. And that's because they're my technon. They're my uh, grandchildren in this case. But, well, anyway, yeah. Well, that, you know, it brings us back um, to Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great baptismal yeah. language as yeah. well. And yeah. so for you, our listeners, this is a great verse for you to continually go back to. And I would encourage this, Pastor, I think this is important, is that uh, we often will think in the context of what you've highlighted with your grandchildren. And I and obviously will highlight with my children. But also, I remember a moment in my first congregation where a brother-in-law of one of our members was going through Alzheimer's. Mm. And one of the situations where when person is going from, you know, what you say, like good memory to Alzheimer's is it's not always a good transition. I mean, rarely is it a good transition. And this person just made a lot of mistakes and a lot of things were said and emotions. And if you, if you think he's normal, then he's just being mean, but he wasn't necessarily, I mean, he was being mean, but he, you know, yeah, this is didn't understand it. Yeah. Times. And if you ever dealt with that one, we pray um, for that and, and go to your pastor, have him pray with you. If you're going through something like that. But I remember a situation that they highlighted that there was a very anxious moment. Words were said, he went to another room, his other brother-in-law came in and they're talking. And that man who has Alzheimer's, just said, why would God love me? Hmm. And and so this is not only for a lonely child that it is for all well, all people, obviously, but also I have a special place for that. You know, my own family's had that in their family. And I've, you know, had pastor mem- members of congregations like that. And I just remember hearing that story. And of course, the brother-in-law, the other brother-in-law was just a wonderful Christian man. And he said, of course he does, for God so loved the world and therefore he loves you. And that's just a reminder that this message is not only for your kids, not only for you, but also for those who struggle and the family members who are struggling with that as well. So, Pastor, about 30 seconds before we go to our break. Any any thoughts well, on that? Just since you brought up the subject of Alzheimer's, I think one of the saddest things is that that person that we love and we care for doesn't remember our name. Right. right. But but the comfort is to realize God always we may we may lose our memories. We may not remember the people that we used to love and care for. But do not have to worry about God. God does not have Alzheimer's. He never will. He always will remember our name, no matter what our state and condition might be in this world. Um, all right. So, yeah. And, and that's our hope. Yeah. That's our hope. So right now, let's take our break. We are studying First John chapter 3 with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are, there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying 1 John chapter 3 with Pastor John Lekomsky. 
And Pastor, we've uh, got through one verse. Yeah. So uh, we're doing pretty well here. <laughs> that's right. And we got half a show left. So <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. So, so, Pastor, let's read a few more verses at okay. a time. And you're the only guest I have to do this with is I'm thinking of doing verses two and three. That'd be do you good. Have any other that sounds like a good place to divide it up. <laughs> verses two and three. Beloved or beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one step back okay. from this. What I said before is that probably need to have verses one and two, because there's a lot of hope and promise oh, yeah. in this as yeah. well. What, do you, what, do you, what are your first well, thoughts? Well, again, that, that was what I was thinking as well. I mean, it starts off with the word beloved. Okay, so here's what we need to remember. I'm going. I just told you, but I'm going to hammer it one more time. This much you know for sure: you are the ones that are loved because you are God's tech. Not again. You're His children. Now, now, here's the sad thing: because uh, there may be people listening to us who who really weren't loved by their father. It's a dangerous image that God uses. Uh, mm. My dad was an alcoholic. I I, I knew he loved me. But he didn't always show the love. You know, it would be, oh, John, hey, let's go play some ball. But I got to go up to the tavern first. And then, of course, I knew I wouldn't see Dad. I wouldn't see him again, you know, maybe in the morning when I get up to go to school. So so it's a dangerous thing. But I think we all know what a father's supposed to be like, you know, what a father's supposed to do. And, of course, it makes me sad as a father and grandfather because I don't know that I've always been the father and grandfather that I should be or that I will be. But God is, all right? So that's the thing. Whatever this perfect image of father, that's what he is. We are his children. And I don't you love the word now? Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing has to change. This is the situation. Although I, I, I think what John is saying, ah, sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes it doesn't appear that way, that we are God's beloved children, by the way. Not just children, but beloved children. Sometimes it doesn't appear that way, but it will. It will. When he comes back, then we'll see everything. Then we'll be like him. Then we'll see him as he is. Uh, So I I like the fact that John's acknowledging that sometimes it just doesn't seem like we're the beloved children of the Father. But we are, he says, and and it is now. It's not something you got to wait for in the future. Although in the future, it'll become a lot clearer. if I could say one more thing about that verse, because I really like this verse. We just, you know, Gary Duncan and I do a devotion on Mondays, and we just actually dealt with this uh, because when you remember that Jesus physically, bodily rose from the grave, and, you know, he was eating fish, and he would say, hey, come here, give me a hug. Touch my, season my wounds, touch me. Uh, I think it's kind of cool to know that's what our life is going to be like, that we are also going to be physically resurrected. Uh, I, I've I've lost one wife already. Hope I don't lose another one. Uh, I already told Lynn that I got to die first because I've been there, done that. Don't want to do it a second time. But but it is cool to think that someday that beloved wife of mine, I, I I'm going to be able to touch her and hold her again and hug her. Uh, I I just like that thought that the way Jesus' body was after he rose from the grave, that's the way it's going to be for us too. So I just want to throw that in because I really it's kind of outside the. That, that subject that, that John's dealing with here, which is more about, well, how do we how do we live our lives now that we are children of God? But I just always thought that's neat to know there's a bodily resurrection. And it and it really is is a good reminder, one, like we talked about someone with Alzheimer's to pray oh, yeah. for those families involved. 
and in the same time, these this is what God's word does. And this is a, a good reminder for everybody that when we are in God's word, especially in prayer, like you use a psalm or something, or you're in church, that something pops up in our mind. And that's that's okay if it's not, quote, in the commentary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far as like that's the exact meaning. And it also reminds us and calls us to prayer for widows and widowers. Yeah. As they look to the hope of the resurrection of their spouse, um, that you know, how how does that all work? We don't know, but we know it'll be a physical resurrection. We will be like him. We will see him. Which, by the way, John, uh, Pastor Lekomsky, is that this is very similar to his language in the first chapter, ah. where he says that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. And he, he speaks about this. Uh, the life was made manifest. We have seen it. We testify it, and we proclaim it to eternal life that this manifestation of God is there for us. And there he grabs a hold of that and then brings us to the resurrection that not only is Jesus resurrected, I've seen it, but guess what? You will too. I saw him, but you will too. It's just this great understanding of, of he's preaching to people who would not have seen Jesus probably. Yeah. Um, but you will, you will see him. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's cool to think that, that this heaven, I don't want to see a ghost of my wife. I don't want to right. see a ghost of my grandmother. I want to see them, and, and we will. We will because they were children. I'm a child, and I'm going to be just like Jesus was when he was resurrected. And so it's just, again, see, see the belovedness of the Father. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's not only and, good and, here, but it's good eternally. And and thanks for the all because that's the thing, too. you got to remember if you're dealing with that, that's not the way. They're not going to be that way forever. They'll be that way for a little while, but then they'll you'll get them back just the way uh, you got Jesus back too, yeah. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And that, that gives us an understanding of the benefits of faith. Yeah. When the, when the Holy Spirit gives us faith in Christ, that this purification happens um, and it is by him and through him as he is the one who is pure. And that's a great image too because – Think about how dirty and uh, tainted and bitter we might be, but pure means all that is gone. All that is gone now in Christ and also when he returns. What do you think? And, and, and we're going to see that even made more specific in just a couple of verses. And, and it is the transitional verse. Now, now John's trying to say, okay, so this is established. I don't know how I can't make it any more clear to you that you are a child of God purely by his grace and mercy and love, his gift. So what does that mean now? What does that mean for our day-to-day -day life? Well, one thing is that we, we, we are pure, and, and now how do we live out the life of purity? Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, and now we get into all of this. But you know what? There's a difference between the law of accusation and the law of sanctification, uh, although you can't normally separate them. <laughs> but, but, but we can at least mentally, because what follows is not the law of accusation. John is not intending to, to tell us we're sinners here. Uh, although, again, it does. I'm sorry. It does. It makes me think about all the things I haven't done. But, but no, the intent really is to say, now, now that's all taken care of. So what does this mean for our day-to-day -day life? Uh, anyway. I think he's setting up now what's going to be said in the next few verses. All right. Oh, let's go through. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I, I know. Well, because that dawned on me, though. Here's why it's so important that we, we are children. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. If your kids do something for you 
because they think they're going to get something out of it, right? If I do this, dad's going to take me out to the movies or get me ice cream or something. Do you really consider that a good thing that your kids have done when they've done it just because they're trying to get something out of you? Would you call that a good thing? Oh, I I don't know. I don't think I want to answer that question. Oh, okay, well, just let me let me let, let me let, let me press it a little bit further. What, what if they did something just because they were afraid you were going to really lay the hammer right. on them? Uh, right. See, you know, as a parent, we want kids to do things that are good because they're good and they love us. We, we don't really want kids to do things because they're afraid of us. We don't do things, kids, just because they're going to get some reward for doing it. Really, the things that really make us smile as parents is when our kids just do something because, well, it's a good thing to do, and they love us, and they're showing that love to other people. And and, and that's the point, I, I think, that uh, John is making here. Uh, there's a lot of people that do good works, but they do them because oh, they think they're going to, oh, they, I'm going to go to heaven. Look at all the good things I've done. I'm going to go to heaven. Are, are there people that do because, oh, man, if I don't do that, who knows what God will do to me? But, man, right. that is not to understand our relationship to our, our Heavenly Father at all, is it? No, no, that's not what God's looking for. Uh, he wants people that know they are the beloved, that they are his dear children, and then act accordingly. Uh, and we don't always do that. In fact, probably not. Right. Well, anyway, I could make a confession. We all can. But that's what John's getting at here. So that's why the whole children image is so important, I think. Oh, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely vital. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and one of those things that I struggle with, as, as you mentioned that is another fine line where we do it out of faith. And we talked about this too, when it talks about Jesus being our advocate. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, and John uses that language in, um, in his gospel about the Holy Spirit being an advocate or otherwise translated as a helper. Yeah that we are ha receiving help to do these things. Cause there's things that I don't necessarily want to do, <laughs> but I know that I need to do them one for my neighbor, but also this is, this is pleasing to God. I do it in faith and it's, it's a pleasing thing. It's a, um, it's something that he's called me to do to follow his command. So it's that fine line of not, not trying to search too much into my heart. Do I really want to do this or do not want to do this? Because there's sometimes it's very clear. This is what I need to do scripturally and practically. And at the same time, we do that and we need help. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah, help, Lord, yeah. help me to do this. And that we're not searching too far into the heart. So I, I, and I think there's a tension there we always have to live with when Christ is laying over the whole thing. You know, this is, this is his cross, you know, um, stretching out his arms, showing us that his love is wide open for us and then therefore help us as we move forward and don't get too caught up on my intentions. Cause we know how far that we know where that will go. That will not always uh, work too well. So any, any thoughts on that? Well, it really, is, I love how you laid it well, out. Well, but see I, what you said there is very, very wise. So it's not that we need to do navel gaze and you think, Oh, am I doing this because I'm afraid? Am I doing this because I want to reward uh, the honest guy? Right, the the right. truth is, of course we are. We're sinners. What do you think? <laughs> that's what sinners <laughs> do. But like you said, see, then the focus is, Oh, Oh, but that's right. What a wonderful love. That's not because he loves me, even though I am that way. Uh, he has forgiven me, as we're going to see in the next verse. Okay, all right. Let's just go do what we need to do and quit all worrying right, about verses, it. You're right. That's right. We're talking too much. Verses four through six. Yeah. Back to the word. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. 
You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now it gets real. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get to verse 7 as well, but right now it gets real, so we probably should have this in small snippets. But basically saying, if you sin, you're, law- you're lawless, you're lawlessness. Um, and if you abide with Christ, this is not who you are. And if you are doing this, then you don't belong to him or seen him or known him, which is quite terrifying when we read it. So where do you want to start? Well, and and, and the ESV is trying to do the best they can, uh, but I don't know if English can really accomplish it, to try to say it's not that you've sinned, because we begin the whole book of John by saying, if you say you haven't sinned, then you're a liar. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, that we've done, we, we do sin, but, but this business about practicing sinning, uh, uh, mm-hmm. in fact, that we have keep sinning will come up. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, um, those words aren't exactly what's in, in the Greek, but but they're wrestling to try to help us understand what the sense of the original language is. Because what it literally says, those who do sin, uh, that's what it says, poeo, do sin. But but see, that's the point John's trying to make. I'm not talking about people sinning, because people sin. We know that. But now we're talking about someone who they actually kind of want to sin and they keep doing sin and it's an ongoing kind of thing uh, and, and, and it doesn't bother them because I told you what to do if you sin you you confess right that's what you do you need to repent but that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about people who just go on and do it and think that no need to repent uh, and, and again the, with this business about practicing sinning that's that's the sense that the English is trying and, and it's a good sense because John is trying to talk about where sin takes control, becomes the, the dominant thing in our life. And, and we forget we're children. We don't act like children. Uh, well, but isn't it great that in the middle of this, we got this beautiful passage about Jesus again, who takes away sin. Mm. And in him, there is no sin. So as you mentioned earlier, if we start to worry about this, well, then you need to go back to Jesus because that's been that's taken it. care of. And it's good you're worried about it, though. I'm glad you're worried about it. It's good to worry about it. But on the other hand, don't worry about it. Because Christ is taken away, yeah. <laughs> well, and you're bringing up the the very um, strong strong reality for us as Christians that we're 100, percent you know, saved, yeah, um, saint, 100 percent sinner at the same time, living with the sure and certain hope of the perfection that is still yet to come, um, and that's and that's what's happening here. That there are times, a lot of times, well, daily, I would say daily, that we need these verses four through six. Yeah. I'm like, listen, if you are the child of God that you say you are, this is not who you are because you're a child of God. You know, you're not you're not a child of lawlessness. Um, when you sin, you are being you know, you're, you're breaking the law. And that's a pretty serious business. And he'll get to more later. But then it brings us back to verse three, the purifying that yeah. our Lord brings. And later on, like you said, about who Jesus is as well. So, Pastor, anything else in four through no, six? No, I think we can move on. All right, so we'll see here, verses 7 through 9. Any thoughts on that? That's what I was thinking. Uh, no, no, go ahead. All right, here we go. Little children, back to children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, but the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. 
So I feel there's a lot of uh, repeating. I feel like yeah. we're going around kind of a, a, a circle or a crazy age or something. I'm not exactly sure, but it keeps going around and around. But the little children theme comes in again, and he speaks like a father to his beloved children about letting no one deceive you, which is what you I desire for my kids. You pray for that. You remind them, don't be deceived by this, this, and that. And it's a very tender, I want to say it's a very tender language of showing how much John cares for them, obviously, as our Lord cares for us. Any thoughts on, um, well, any thoughts? Well, the, the word little there is just a fabulous word because, again, it is the word technon. That's the root of it. So it's this my child, the child that I name that belongs to me. And yet now it's the diminutive, which means it it, it is, well, as it says, the little child. And I think there is, that, that, that there is a different relationship we have between our little children and our older children. Uh, when they get older, we expect more of them. We, we're looking for maturity. We're looking for growth. Uh, but but in a way, I don't care how old your kids get, they'll, they'll always be your little children. You'll always think of them, these precious things that God has given you. You have so much care and concern for. And, and isn't it neat? That's how John begins with just, just remember who you are uh, and remember what that means. Don't let anybody deceive you. Uh, no, we need to be righteous. Uh, and again, you got the practicing righteousness again, because uh, this isn't just a, a thing we do. It's it's the way we are. Does that, that make sense? That the, the words oh, John Jr. Absolutely. It's not just the thing you do, but it's the way we are. And, and I want to emphasize that because, see, what we've got to understand when John's talking about sinning here, it actually might look good in the eyes of the world. I, I think I think John would include the the Pharisee who stood up in the temple and talked about all the good things he's done, how he tithes, and oh, thank God he's not like that other sinner over there. And see in the eyes of the world, oh, there's a righteous man, there's a good man, but no, he's not good at all because he doesn't understand that that we are these helpless little children. And and if we do anything good, it is because, as you said earlier, because we have a father who helps us. We are totally incapable of doing anything worthwhile, except for the fact we have the love of God. Uh, and as soon as we get off from that, as soon as we begin to think it is about us and about what we do, then then we we become the lawless ones. We become the children of the devil. Isn't that what the devil did? Didn't he come to Adam and Eve and say, oh, well, Adam and Eve, you know, you're not really the children of God. If you really want to be called children of God, well, then you need to do something. You need to eat this fruit. Oh, then you'll be like God, see? Uh, which, of course, yeah. was ridiculous because they are already the children of God. They were made in his image. Uh, so anyway, just so we understand that, because I think the problem is we begin to think about individual acts. But that's not what John's talking about. He's talking about the way people are. Uh, mm. and, and we are mm. sinners. But as you said over and over again, nope, we are forgiven sinners. That's a fact. That's what I we guess. are. The I children guess. of God. Yeah. And that's where we don't, as Christians, we don't let sin define who yeah, we are. Yeah. We repent over that sin. We we ask for Lord's help to not longer do that sin, but we, you know, our identity is in Christ. And that that is where um, I'm thinking about the language that John is using, where there are times as a father, as a husband, as a whatever our vocations might be, whatever your to our listeners, whatever vocations you have, that you need to remind yourself this is who we are. Yeah. For example, I need to remind myself I am called. I'm a called pastor to this congregation to remind me of what my tasks are as a father. You know, I'm a, I'm a father. And that identity is something that you proclaim to others in a time where that person's in need of who you are. So like 
with my with my wife and say I'm I'm your husband and therefore this is what I do or I'm I'm your father therefore this is what I do and I really find that to be something he is bringing out the the, the understanding of the identity of this is not this is what you do not do as a child of God and I think that's an, an important thing for us to remember that it's not he's just bashing you over the head but he's just reminding as a good father or good mother would remind their children, this is not who you are because you are born of God. <laughs> you know, you're a child of God. And, and there's joy in that. I want to say, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, not judgment. Uh, just, you know, you're, you're telling them that you're doing wrong, but there's a promise in there as well. You know, that you're a child of God. This is not who you are and say, Oh, you're, you're right. That's not who I am. And that's what we pray the Holy spirit. does. And so when we do sin, we're not, practicing sin. It hasn't become what what right. we do day in and day out, but we do sin and it makes us sad. It makes us sad. And that's what it should do because it's, no, it's not really what we are. Uh, and, and don't you love the language here too? How did we come, become this? Because God put his his sperm in us. That's what the Greek says, seed here in the English. But 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 I, I like that image of sperm because that's what it is. It's like we've been, well, it's not like we have. We've been born again. Our DNA has been altered. It's been totally changed. Of course, the bad thing is we were still born in sin and conceived in iniquity. So the old sinful DNA is there too. But, but there's this new DNA that God has placed in us that's going to dominate, and, and it's going to be the thing that will last. Uh, the old DNA, that's why you're going to die, <laughs> okay? I don't want to die. I don't like death, but we all have to do it because that's all you can do with the old DNA we got from the devil, you know. But now we got this new spermata, this new uh, seed from God, and that's going to be eternal and lasting. And uh, that's, we, we're his children. We literally are his children. We have his, just like he made Adam and Eve in his image, we now have that in us as well uh, through Jesus Christ. It's a good reminder for us as Lutherans, too, that we can use that language of being born again, yeah. um, that we can say that in Christ I am born again. Um, for, and when I'm forgiven, born again, baptized. Um, even before that, born again to remind us that Christ has died for the world. Therefore, I am born again in Christ, in faith in him. So, yeah, so this Sunday, I think, uh, you know, uh, just, I'm, I'm going to try to use your born again language, yeah. and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So, <laughs> Pastor, anything else, verses 1 through 9, before we get to our last verse? Well, how much time? See, I don't know how much time we have left, Brady. <laughs> oh, for peace sake. Here we go. We have five minutes left. All right, left. well, then five let's minutes. do verse 10. Let's do right. verse 10. Not cut ourselves short. Yeah. <laughs> By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So here it is. We got the children of God language and a reminder of our identity with very important words. Where do you want to start? Well, I, I, I think it's really neat that John finally brings it down into the concrete. You know, he's been talking about sinning. He's been talking about righteousness. And, and now we get to the part, of course, that John just loves. Uh, it's about loving the brother. That's, that's what it's about. Uh, it's, it's not about being religious. 
See, we might hear the language about sinning. In, in fact, that's how the Pharisees would have heard this language, right? Oh, it's about how many times you go to the temple, about how many sacrifices you make, about how many prayers you speak, you know. Uh, but John says, no, nah, no, that's not. That The issue is about your relationship with your brother. And that you, again, there's the agape word, who does not agape, uh, love his brother. Well, we love because he first loved us. That's what the scripture says as well. So I, I just, I, I think that's important for us to know. What, what, what we're asking about here is what we're going to do right now when, when you get listening, stop listening to our show. What are you going to do from here? You, you got people around you who need you and care for you. So just go out and love them. Okay. And don't love them because you think God's going to punish you if you don't. And don't love them because you think, oh man, I'm going to get some rewards from God for doing this. But just love them because... Well, as, as we've said over and over again, we, we are the children of the Heavenly Father. That's, that's exactly what we are. Uh, don't need to do anything. You, you, you give your kids all kinds of things, don't you, Brady? And you give it to them whether they deserve it or not. It's right. just what we do with children. We just take care of them. We love them. It has, you know, we want them to be good. That's what John is saying. This is how it should be. We don't want them to act like they're the children of somebody else. <laughs> you know, certainly not the mm -hmm. devil. But I, I, I do appreciate John making it so concrete that it's just about what you and I and, and all of our listeners are going to do today. We're going to see people that have needs and we're going to help them. All right. Uh, and, it, and it is very helpful where we as Christians are able to say, this is of God yeah. and this is not. Yeah. Um, this is of the devil. And, 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 and it's sometimes we will, you know, hoop it up a little bit where we kind of start adding realities where maybe they're not quite there, but it does give us that opportunity to say that right there of what you were doing is not of God, you know? Um, and therefore, you know, we were praying that you don't live that way anymore. And then when someone is doing a good thing that we are able to say, that is a thing of God, you know? And, and it's very good because he's doing that for us where sometimes I think in our culture, we get to the point where we say, we can't judge anything. You yeah. can't tell anybody. And, and Jesus is very clear in Matthew 7 that you will recognize them by their fruits, meaning that Christian people will do Christian things. They will walk in the light as he is in the light, you know, language that we hear all the time. And so that's just a reminder for us that we should live a good and holy life. And the Lord is there to help you. And, and also that there are, there's right and there's wrong. And it's not determined by the government. It's not determined by our traditions. It's not determined by others. It's determined by God that will tell us what those things are. So it just you know, it reminds us to always go back. Ten Commandments is the easiest one. Going back to the scriptures and saying, if this is something that God does not want me to do, it doesn't matter how much my heart says I need to be doing it or how much I desire to do it. It's not the right thing. And, and it's good for us to remember those, those good things, like I said, that you have an advocate, a helper, who will help us do those things according to his will. So I, I just like the distinctions that he makes. Here. Yeah, and, 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 and I like the fact that he relates it directly to the love of the brother. It's, it's right. not an abstract thing. We know what's good and what's bad. The question is, how does it impact our brother? And if it hurts our brother, I don't care how holy you think that work is, 
And that's not. That's the work of the devil. If it if it shows love and care for and, and again, love and care might be to confront the brothers. See, I'm not denying that. Maybe you have to say, as, as you talked mm-hmm. about earlier, maybe you have to say to your kids, you know, that's just wrong. You can't do right. that. You gotta stop that. But again, you're not doing it because you want to be more righteous or holier than they, but because you you love them, you care for them. Uh, but I, because I, I, I think we do get wrapped up in these. So, oh, this is this is what's right. That's what's wrong. No, no. The question is, is what what's the loving thing here? Uh, mm. Which, as I said, can sometimes be a matter of confrontation. Uh, but but it better better be a benefit to the brother. That's what it needs to be. So, Pastor, we have about a minute left in our time. Um, how would you summarize our, our text today and encourage our listeners? Well, I'd just like to go back to that very first verse, as we, we said. You know, <laughs> Well, just just look at this, people. See this. Behold this. There's a God who just loves you. you. In fact, you can't even totally grasp how great his love is for you. Well, his love was great enough that he would give up his own son, his only begotten son, the one that really was, you know, directly related to him. Uh, but that's only so that he could then adopt all of us. And 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 I love that. Don't you love that phrase? We are. Don't ever doubt that. We are, we are the mm-hmm. children of God. Uh, and, and you can't take Jesus off the cross. You can't take him, uh, the empty tomb. You can't take that away. These are all facts. And they have had a tremendous impact on us. And God wants the whole world to know that as well. So that would be my summary. And so we are. Pastor John Lekumski, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word from 1 John chapter 3. Pastor Lekumski, thank you for bringing thank us you, his Brady. gifts. Thank you, Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.